Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe in a power greater than what you are going through when you don't know what to do. That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles and the Big Apple in New York City, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely late co-host, Adrian Gruberg from the Caregiver Space. And we're coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on 25 global audio video platforms, platforms including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, uh, HealthyLife.net. Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio, Mixcloud, Listen Notes, Blueberry, Player FM, Podcasts, Podcasts, Podcast.com, VIP Internet Radio, TuneIn.com, Facebook Live, Owl's Tales, Ubook, Castbook, Castbox, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Feedspot, <laughs> and of course, CaregiverDave.com. I haven't done that in a long time. List all 25 of them. So we're so proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and one of the top six best podcasts on caring.com, as well as number three podcasts out of thousands of caregiver podcasts on Feedspot. And we have an exciting show planned for you today. Don't we, Adrian? Are you out there? Well, if she was, she'd say yes. So when Kate Kunkels, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Kunkels. When her mother was diagnosed with dementia in 2010, Kate set out to discover why this happened, how she could help her mother, and ensure that she herself would not succumb to this terrible syndrome. I can sure relate to that. Both my mother and my mother-in-law uh, had dementia, and it wasn't pretty. Uh, but I do want to take this moment and thank my last week's guest, Pantaha Vahidi, the most compassionate registered nurse that I know shows how to avoid burnout in that uh, podcast. And just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that one and all of them, including this one on our website, caregiverdave.com and all those other 25 global platforms that I mentioned. All right, enough of that. Welcome to the show. Kate, I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you. I'm very happy to be able to be here with you today. It's just so nice to have a, a pretty hippie from the 60s join us today because you know i miss those times those were good times yeah we had protests and riots and shootings but but we were just uh we just wanted love you know and yeah, everything was and, peace and love yeah yeah and we still have protests and lootings and shootings but not so much with the peace and love anymore unfortunately yeah, not so much of the peace and love well you know i like to ask my guests um just who is kate kunkel and why was she put on this earth? Ah, well, I am a harpist. Um, My gosh, you know, you look like a harpist. <laughs> <laughs> like well, an angel in the clouds just playing her harp. <laughs> you know, I worked for 20 years in Las Vegas playing harp, and I can't tell you how many times people came up to me and asked me where my wings were. And there were so many times I wish I really could just pull out a pair and put them on, but <laughs> never had them. But I'm a harpist. And I was in Vegas many times, and I only remember seeing one person playing a harp, and it could have been you. This was a long time ago. I, I left there. What hotel were you at? I was at Excalibur for seven of the years we were there. Mm. Um, I played with a, a guitar player. My former husband was a guitar player. We were called Crosswind, and yeah. we were at Excalibur for seven years. But we toured the, US, the Southwest U.S. after we left Excalibur. And um, and then we opened a metaphysical store, and that's where I learned how to do sound therapy and stuff. Uh oh, something's falling. <laughs> my phone. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm a sound healer and a harpist, and then I became a vegan nutritionist, and I'm a daughter, and I have a mom who just passed away last year with um, dementia, and my dad is suffering so post post stroke type dementia so it's been and my grandmother passed away with it so there's a lot of it in the family so that's my 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 focus for the last decade has been trying to figure this out well you know and i worry about uh, dementia coming on me because i'm already forgetting things and i'm sure you are anyone our age <laughs> seems to forget yeah. things 
And I, it concerns me. So I saw on Facebook uh, about, I don't know, four years ago, three, four years ago, this uh, study on, um, uh, it was a pre-dementia, pre-Alzheimer's kind of thing, and come in and we'll test you for no charge for like uh, a couple of years, you know, every six months. And so I did that. I've been doing that. And when I got in there, they says, hmm. I says, how am I? I says, well, you're right on the borderline, but you're not there yet. But there's things you can do. So, you know, I came back six months later. This is when I just started um, speaking and doing radio and doing television and, and speaking on stages. And so they said, oh, your score improved slightly. Are you doing anything different? I says, yeah, you know, I have to memorize all these speeches and, and you know, yeah. my radio show, I got to be, you know, uh, off off the top of my head, say things and be funny. And, you know, well, it's helping. So I've gone like six or seven or eight times. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not in the danger zone, and I hope awesome. that I never will be, but I just don't want to be the last person to find out, you know, <laughs> where your kids are over there whispering and snickering about dad, you know, being demented. I want to be the first one to know if it happens. So well, and you know what? What you're doing is, is a hugely important thing because basically it's using your brain in a new way, and that's one of the best things we can do on a, a, a mental level to protect yeah. our brains. You know, the rest is diet and exercise and things like meditation. All of those help as well. But just doing something new and different. People ask me all the time, if I do crosswords, will that help? Well, only if you've never done crosswords before. If you've done crosswords all your life, it's really not anything <laughs> different or new. So it's probably not going to help. But if you're doing them for the first time, yeah, it's going to help. Or do them in another language. I have a, a client in France who's doing them in English now, and she's really finding a big difference. So, yeah, well, I never expected to be doing what I'm doing. I just kind of <laughs> fell into it, you know. And uh, by the way, I hate crossword puzzles because <laughs> me too. I just can't figure them out. They're they're taxing on my brain, and it hurts. You know, which is probably <laughs> a sign that I need to need to do it. But. Uh, Maybe they've got really easy crosswords because, you know, they some do. of them are just very difficult. I bet, you know, uh, Trudeau uh, can't even, Alex Trudeau, Quebec, whatever his Trebek. name is. <laughs> yes. Um, I bet he can't even figure them out. They're so complicated. But Yeah, especially the New York Times. <laughs> he gave me a great, no, New York Times too complicated. <laughs> he gave me a great idea. I bet I could find this little workbook of beginner crossword puzzles, right? Yep. Or W. Yep. Yeah, that's what I that's what I sent to my client in France. We just got some really simple ones at the dollar store, mailed them off to her, and she's um, yeah really enjoying it. It's working on a new language and a crossword puzzle. When's the last time you've been to France? I have never been to France. No, oh, I've been to Germany and to Holland and Austria, but never to France. Nothing this past year, though, I assume. <laughs> no, I did have to go home to Canada though because Dad had a really bad. Um, episode so i braved the travel uh, just last month and well actually november i went to canada from <clears throat> i live in ecuador for those of you who well yeah nobody would know i live in ecuador and so i had to brave the travel to canada and deal with quarantine and everything else and um yeah so that's the extent of the travel i've done in the last year you still live in ecuador i live in ecuador yep remind me because I didn't do well in geography. Where exactly is Ecuador? <coughs> South America, near the top okay. of South America. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so you're South next America, to what? What are you next to? Colombia. Colombia is to the north, and Peru is to the south. So you're below Panama. Yes. Yes. Uh huh. So are you on yeah. the way to Mexico? Or um, no? Well, no. We're if you looked at a map. If it was Columbia, set up properly, to Mexico, right? Yeah. So right. what? We're right under like Montreal, <laughs> Montreal or Toronto. Oh, okay. Well, let's talk about your mom. She was diagnosed with dementia, and about that time, you were also struggling with health health issues of your own, right? I Auto was. Disease. Uh, tell us about I, that. What you learned about some of the causes of both dementia and an autoimmune disease. Right. So I was diagnosed. I was just leaving California to return to Canada, and um, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Um, wow. I was having a lot of trouble with my joints. You can imagine that's pretty scary for a harpist to be sure thinking enough. you're not going to be able to play the harp. 
So anyway, it was at the same time I was coming back to Canada and my mom was starting to really um, struggle with, with many things. Now, she was also diagnosed with cancer for the fourth time when I was returning. So there was like this perfect storm of things going on um, and the stress was causing me to lose my memories and to get, oh, whoa, my personality was going berserk. Scary. And mom was struggling a lot. She became very aggressive and um, paranoid. So we had a lot of stuff going on. And, and so I thought, you know, I'm, I started my career as a paralegal of all things. The old hippie was a paralegal. And, uh, but the good thing about doing that job originally was it gave me really good research skills that I've used all through my life. And so I tapped into those research skills and tried to figure out what the heck was going on, why mom was going the way she was and what the heck was happening with me. And I sure as heck didn't want to follow that path. So that's when I learned that many autoimmune diseases have the same genesis, so to speak, as dementia, including Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and so forth. So that got me on my path to try and help mom and to fix my own brain. Wow, so did you fix your own brain? I did, <clears throat> I did. You know, the best thing about this whole horrible series of events was that I got me back because I wasn't feeling like me um, 10 years ago. I was, um, yeah, kind of angry and I, I was forgetting things and I had a serious brain fog and um, I couldn't concentrate very well and I just didn't feel like me because I was always a pretty bright kid and you know I could do anything I wanted to do and all of a sudden I couldn't do all the things I wanted to do so it was time to fix it and now honestly I feel better than I did when I was 32. I keep learning new stuff like we were talking about uh, speaking and so forth um, I mean I, I had to learn a whole bunch of things when I took up this position of dementia uh -huh prevention and so I learned how to do things like this walk talking on here and holding group meetings and and holding group coaching programs and all of those things that's all something new and you have to be able to kind of you know weave and, and volley and rally and those things I wasn't able to do them 10 years ago and now I can so I'm really excited and happy about that and you were scheduled to come on the show in April but we had a cancellation and at the last minute, you just dropped everything, which which I do all the time. You know, I could just shift gears very quickly, but uh, that's that's a good sign up there. You know. Yep. Yep. You need to so, be able to just pivot. <clears throat> did you discover what was specifically wrong with you and with your mom? Yeah. So um, for me, I think stress was the biggest thing, but also my diet because I was really slammed and and. Um, very, very busy when I was in Los Angeles. My diet suffered really badly. I didn't take the time to cook and so forth. And I started eating out a lot, so I didn't have any control over what was in it. So I started, and, and rheumatoid arthritis is an inflammation, right? It, it's yeah. it's a, an inflammatory condition. So that was what it was. It was inflammation caused by my diet and stress and lack of sleep. My mom's dementia also was caused by a very poor diet because she had also been very busy all her career. She owned a, a, a doll store of all things and a museum. And she had also worked in a factory part of that time while she was building her business. Very ambitious woman, very smart. Um, <laughs> but she did not like cooking and she did not. And all those other things were more important to her. So she, she and my dad ended up eating a lot of not so good food. Mom didn't sleep very well her whole life. I never remember my mom sleeping well. And really? and she was also, unfortunately, because of her exposure at this factory, um, she had toxin uh, toxicity really badly. And I believe that's what also caused her cancers. Mm -hmm. So the same things, I didn't have the toxins so much, but the inflammation, the, the poor diet, the lack of sleep, oh boy, that's so important. And for caregivers, whew, that lack of sleep thing is a big issue that you really need to look after because it, it's, a, it's a brain killer. Yeah, tell me about it. Um, the average caregiver only gets two hours sleep a night. 
I yeah. can't do two hour stream. I don't know how they do. But nobody uh, can. Yeah. So did um did her progression slow down? What does that mean? <laughs> so um when I learned all this stuff, I right away, because I'm an action taker, right away I instituted a whole bunch of changes to make myself feel better. And I tried to get my mom to do it. And, and the, the problem was, of course, I lived two and a half hours away from her, even though I was in Canada. I was in Toronto. She was in a small town near Lake Erie. So I wasn't there. I couldn't supervise her all the time. My dad uh -huh. certainly wasn't going to cook. He's definitely, that's not a, that's not a man's job. He's German. That's not a man's job. You don't cook. He's, and he wasn't a caregiver. My dad was definitely not cut out to be a caregiver. And my sister also was busy. She still had a career and she doesn't cook. She's never cooked. She has a microwave. Anyway, um, so we had a lot of issues going on to get mom to follow the protocols. I was developing this program and I was following it and my friends were following it, but I couldn't get my mom. So her decline also, it accelerated because she, she had another cancer treatment, which was barbaric. It was for vaginal cancer and it's called brachytherapy and it is barbaric. And brachy. I think it's- I heard of that. Brachy, it's terrible. It's a radiation therapy. And it, it, it broke her. It broke her mind. I truly believe that. And she just went like that. So we had to, you know, put her in a nursing home because my dad just, he just, he's not a caregiver. What if you had figured out what was happening sooner with your mother? Do you think the outcome would have been different? I like to think so, yes, because by the time she even got tested, of course, I was, I just returned, so I hadn't really been monitoring her progress at all, mm -hmm. but she was already, you know, like she couldn't draw a clock anymore. Um, she really uh, couldn't read a paragraph uh, <clears throat> of anything anymore. Um, so, yes, I do believe that if we had been able to catch it a little bit sooner, perhaps we would have been able to extend her time at home. Um, she ultimately died of cancer, again, fifth time, of cancer with advanced dementia. So, um, Were they yeah, related? I, think, I believe that the same causes of the dementia, like I said, with the toxins and everything, I believe that, that they, they were connected, absolutely. Oh. But um, anyway, so she, she did pass away with, uh, with Alzheimer's. or I, I was actually dementia. I don't know for sure if it was Alzheimer's because <clears> they didn't do a you know, an autopsy or anything. Right. But um, I believe that if we would have been able to get her diet fixed up, because when she went into the nursing home, here's another issue. They're there to make money, right? Bottom line is that's, that's the business model. They're there to make money. And by the time someone is admitted, especially with dementia, um, it's basically a I hate to use the word, but almost like a warehouse. Like it's just a place to keep people safe and sort of safe. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. so the, <laughs> right. So the diet is just a maintenance. It's just just to keep them alive. Right. Yeah. They don't really think about what the food is doing, what 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 those foods do to the brain. So, for instance, right. I can't tell you how many times I went into the nursing home and saw jello on my mother's plate. Red jello. So firstly, red dye is really bad for your brain, for everybody's brain, really? but especially for dementia. So don't eat red things, huh? Don't <laughs> eat anything vegetables. with food coloring. Don't eat anything with food coloring. Oh. And everything Are you saying any other color isn't ba bad, but red is bad? Red all is all, all food coloring. Just stay away from it, unless it's natural, right? But most of the food coloring you get, certainly like in jello, is not going to be good. Ugh, plus yeah. sugar. Sugar is bad for the brain. And they give them <clears throat> so much sugar. They give them desserts true. and all of that stuff. And it's really That's bad. It causes inflammation. And, and as a caregiver, you know, when I was, when I did get home before she went into the nursing home, I would, I would bring all kinds of food. I would cook up a storm and I would bring them to her so she would yeah. have nutritious meals. I would put them in like things that dad could microwave so that she could have proper meals, proper portions, proportions of vegetables and all the other things. Yeah. So I think that was the big problem that if I had been able to be there more and just like be on her all the time, it might've worked, but 
I couldn't. I had to. I had to make a living. You know. <laughs> sure. Um, listen, we're going to take a quick break, so we will be right back. So don't go away. Dave Nasani, the caregiver's caregiver, has just released his sixth book entitled "It's My Life Too: Thrive to Stay Alive as a Caregiver." It was specifically written for caregivers who know they should be putting their needs first, but just don't know how. Dave is the sole caregiver to his wife, Charlene, since 1996. He knows firsthand what caregivers are going through because he is one. He now speaks all across the country, offering caregivers his amazing caregiver support package. Even the airlines tell us that in the event of an emergency, to put your oxygen mask on first before you help your child with their mask. They know that those who don't heed their advice often black out, thus becoming unable to help either themselves or their child. And caregivers are exactly the same way. It's my life too. Thrive and stay alive as a caregiver will help caregivers who are neglecting their sleep, diet, and social life and learn to put their needs first. Pick up your copy today or buy one for your special caregiver on sale everywhere and at caregiverdave.com. And we're back on the Caregiver Dave show with Kate Kunkel, and I don't know where Adrian went. <laughs> she must have had an emergency. Anyway, um, we're talking about dementia and her mom, and my mom had dementia as well. You know, um, how is her personality? Because my mom was really, really sweet. Everybody loved her. But my mother-in-law, on the other hand, I just got to say, she was a witch. <laughs> she was mean. She thought I was trying to steal her house. She thought people were trying to break in. She was calling the police, you know, five times a day. No caregiver wanted to work for her. She would accuse them of stealing. I mean, on and on and on. She was in denial about her dementia. Uh, there's nothing wrong with my memory. Whereas my mother, oh, I wish I could remember more, you know. Um, and I don't know why they're different like that. How was your mom? Um, well, my mom, she became very aggressive and combative, uh, and in fact, she um, she went after my father with a knife at one point. Whoa. Yeah, so, <laughs> I guess I had it pretty good. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, but my mom in life, in her normal state of being, was um, a little bit impatient. Uh, she was very demanding of us, and, and yeah. so... I could see that that manifestation and it was exaggerated so much <clears throat> with her illness. Um, now, later on, she became very docile, of course, when like uh, at the like end, there, she became very docile. Yeah. But she was always very aggressive when it came to personal care. She That's hated good. to be. No, she hated to be cared for. Oh. The fact that someone had to invade her personal space was just even very late in her illness. She fought it tooth and nail. Now, my grandmother, on the other hand, my father's mother, who passed away with dementia, she was very different. Now she she was she went back to her childhood. She reverted to to her childhood. I think my mother did too. Yeah, and Oma started talking in German again. We're German, and she started wow. speaking only in German. Yeah, she didn't speak English at the end. You know, um, what would you say for the many caregivers that are out there who are struggling with this? I mean, it took me a while to get used to dementia being kind of different in its own category because I was trying to be logical with my mom, and, <laughs> and uh, that just doesn't work, you know. No. What advice would you give people who maybe have been doing this for a while and maybe who just started doing it because I know everyone kept telling me, well, don't take it personal and don't do this and don't do that. But it's hard, you know, and yeah. when she says things, uh, you know, you want to respond back how you would normally respond because it's yeah. like talking to a crazy person, you know? Yeah. So what I what I tell my, my friends who are going through it um, is that, and it seems to be so many people are going through it. It's, it's I mean, I it's, it's expanding so much. But um, to think of it like your child, like when they're little, when they're tiny. I never had children, but I have grandchildren. My, my husband has a, a son and we oh. have three grandchildren. So um, I've looked at, I've really watched how the children progress, you know, about their being so, so egocentric. At first, it's only me. 
looking after the, the, the basic needs of human life. And then as they get to be two or so, and they become starting to become independent, and then it's a little bit more where they start to think about other people. Well, dementia is exactly the opposite, right? So I say, think of it like your, your mom is now five. Yeah. Like you have to, like that's the way, because you can't. Yeah, you wouldn't take uh, that personal from a five-year-old or a two-year-old. No, that's right. They're just, they're just responding the way a child would. And, and the, yeah. their brain is, because have you ever seen the brain scan of a, of a, a person with advanced dementia? Yeah. No, yeah. I haven't. Oh, it's it's pretty scary. I'm I'm actually studying Dr. Dan, Daniel Amen. He's a, a prevention. Yes, specialist. I know him. Yeah, so I'm I'm taking his brain certification course right now because oh. I the more I can learn, the better I think I can help people. So he's really big on brain scans. So I've yes. been looking at all these images of and brain functional scans. functional uh, MRIs. MRI. That's exactly right. Exactly. So when you see the brains of people who are severely demented, it's like Swiss cheese. It really is. It's all wrinkled and, and bumpy. And, and then you look at the brain of a healthy person and you can see why they can't. It's, it's not like they have a choice. My dad used to drive me crazy when mom was getting worse because he'd say, she can't, she should, she should know better. I said, dad, she doesn't know better. She can't know better. Her brain is not. Yes. Famous last together. words. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I know it's hard. I know it because <clears throat> my mom, when I was helping at the nursing home and, and they were trying to give her dental care because her teeth were getting really bad and she fought me and she said, I never want to see you again. You're a bitch and blah, 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 blah. And like, I just, I had to stop and say, okay, mama, I know you're really mad at me, but this has to happen. And you can kick me out later if you want, but that's okay. You know, we've got to do this. So I think it's, I think if you think of them like a child in reverse, it might help. That's, that's what I tell my friends anyway, who are struggling with it right now. Yeah, so sad. Uh, is there any cure? You know, everyone wants to have hope because I remember the movie, um, The Notebook. It's like, yes. uh, he kept saying, oh, no, it's 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 never going to get better. And she's playing the piano and she came to the end of the page and stopped. He says, well, I guess she remembered the rest of the song. So you're wrong, you know, whatever. Yeah. So should we have hope? I mean, is it uh, what's your opinion about that? Well, I think our best hope is prevention. I truly believe that. Mm. And early, early detection. So I'm, I'm a big fan of testing, like, like what you're doing. Yeah. You're so smart to do that. I'm a big fan of that because what they're doing now, what they have been doing in the last 20 years or so with the Alzheimer's drugs is they're trying to destroy the plaques and tangles that cause the damage to the brain. Those plaques and tangles are actually our body's immune system. And that's why we've got the, the, the connection with autoimmune disease. They're actually our body's immune system kicking in in response to some stressor, which could be food, it could be toxins, it could even be um, uh, like gingivitis. Gingivitis is a very, it can really cause brain problems. So the plaques and tangles are actually our body's defense system. So what they've been doing with the drugs is trying to eliminate the plaques and tangles, and they do do that to a degree, but it only works for a little while because what happens is they remove those plaques and tangles or dissolve them a little bit. But the, the body's immune system is still reacting to those those stressors. Yeah. And so they go back and they go into hyperdrive and they go, okay, attacking we its brain. We got to do more. We got to do more because those those our protection system is down. We got to go in. Shields up. We're going to go in there and fix <laughs> this. So that's why. With, with Alzheimer's patients, they'll get a little bit better for a little while, and then all of a sudden, kaboom, they just fall off the edge because the brain, the, the immune system kicks in and creates more of the things that the drugs were trying to get rid of, and that's wow. the problem. So if we're dealing with just the symptoms, which is the same with so many other diseases in allopathic medicine. You're just dealing with the symptoms instead of the causes. That we're, we, 
we're not going to fix it, right? It's, yeah. It can't be fixed. So I believe de- uh, prevention is our biggest hope for a cure for dementia. You know, there are many st- um, scientists who are saying at least 70% of dementia cases could be prevented with lifestyle changes. Yeah, that's good. You know, I, I was worried also because even though I was getting the tests um, a couple of times, because uh, they say if you forget things at Stormboat, if you remember them later, but if you forget them and you don't remember them later, that's a sign. So a couple of times, and I don't even remember what it was, but I rem- I remembered doing something, but then I saw evidence that I didn't do it. And I clearly remember doing it, or maybe it was the other way around. Maybe I don't remember doing something that evidence, well, somebody had to do it. And you're the only one here. Yeah. And and I so I waited like five days to see if I could eventually... And I couldn't. I mean, it was the mystery. I put chalk it up to the twilight zone, two different things. So I says, you know, I'm going to my wife's neurologist, who was a good friend. And I says, I want a brain scan. I want to know what things look like. Okay. Because that's the first time that that has ever happened, you know. And so she gave me a brain scan. She says, everything's normal. You're okay. I says, okay. Well, so I, it was I still probably... can't explain it. So I don't know. Have you got yeah, any explanation? So, well, yeah. So a lot of, uh, of, our activities work on autopilot. Like I'm sure you've driven somewhere and not remembered getting there. Sure. Like not remembered any part of the trip because you're on autopilot. A big part of our functioning is on autopilot. And it could have been that whatever it was you were doing was something you've done before many times. Was that the case? Maybe, I can't remember now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so. But, but if it's something that you do, do or did all the time, then your, your subconscious was probably looking after it and you don't need yeah. to remember it. Yeah, well, hopefully that was the case. Yeah, so, if um, your brain scan is normal, I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, I mean, she should know. She's a, a neurologist, right? Yeah. And so um, what you talked about the diet, you know, uh, but what can a caregiver who's caring for a loved one you know, can it be more specific? I mean, yeah, the diet. Your loved one, you know, healthy food. Does that mean going vegan? Does that mean, you know, have all the the, uh, the, the foods of the pyramid in there? I mean, how do you start and what do you do? So first thing I always tell my people to do is cut out sugar. Because okay, sugar that's causes- easy. For some people, it's easy. For lots, it's not. <laughs> it's hard, but especially, it's easy, yes. Especially for older people, because they do get more of a sweet tooth as they get older. So it is hard sometimes to get rid of that. But do not substitute with I was going to say, can we substitute sweetener for anything? Not a, not a zip, zilch, no. Because the brain... The Diet really Coke is not good. No diet coke is not good. Oh, in fact, this is this is a joke. When my when I met my current husband, he was drinking diet coke, and I said, "If you want to have any kind of relationship with me, <laughs> you got to stop this because I'm I'm not gonna you know watch you lose. Not your gonna brain. care for your demented brain. That's in the right. So anyway, um, yeah. So cutting out sugar. The the reason is is well many fold, but one reason is because it's highly inflammatory. It causes an inflammatory response in our body, and that really is where a lot of the problems in our brain come from. The other thing is, of course, it messes with your um, insulin levels. You know, you, and, and as you get older, it's harder to look after for the body to function properly for the pancreas to adjust. So that's the other thing. The other thing is, sugar destroys the gut microbiome. Our brains are intimately connected to our guts. Without a healthy gut, you don't you can't have a healthy brain. You just can't. It's gonna it's gonna show up sooner or later. It might take a while, but it's gonna show up sooner or later that your brain is not gonna be happy with an unhealthy gut. And what is leaky gut? Because I take something that's supposed to prevent leaky gut. Hopefully it's working. <laughs> so leaky gut is when the stuff that's supposed to stay inside your intestines leaks out. And, it and gets why, would it why would it leak out? Why would it? Because oh, so that oh. could be from um, glyphosate. It could be from sugar destroying the lining. It could be from toxins. 
It could be just from wheat, where you've got a problem with uh, um, digesting gluten or wheat. Right. <coughs> you know. Celiac. Yeah, so le leaky gut is actually pretty common, mm. and it is a thing. Some doctors tried to say that it wasn't a thing for a while, <laughs> but it is a thing. Because basically what happens, the toxins from that are supposed to be eliminated <clears throat> through your body in, uh, outside the elimination tract actually leak into the bloodstream, which gets into the brain. Yeah, so the things that I am taking, and I know you don't know what I'm taking, but you know they claim to uh, help with leaky gut. Do they... What do they do? Do they try to make the gut not leak or do they just make the stuff in your gut healthier? Uh, well, I don't know because I don't know what, what these things are. I always just tell people to build your own healthy gut microbiome because that's the best way. And that will keep the lining from being destroyed and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, this, it's supposed to be putting good microbes and bacteria oh. in me. Okay. Uh, instead of the bad ones. So I'm assuming the bad ones are the ones that uh, eat through the lining and the good ones are the ones that fight. Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of like that. But, but, but more important is the balance. So we are always going to have bad and good. Mm -hmm. um, and you kind of have to have... Yeah, you kind of have to have some of the bad ones for the good ones to do more. It's like you don't know if it's dark. You don't know of the light if you don't know what dark is. It's It's sure. the same kind of thing. So the most important thing, like I said, is to get rid of the sugar because that will really help the gut microbiome and to add probiotics. So like I, I make yeah. my own fermented foods um, for a caregiver. Obviously, it's going to be really hard to have the time to do that. But if you can get your loved one to eat fermented foods, sauerkraut, kimchi, I was going to say, tea. I've been doing uh, raw sauerkraut. They say they've been using that for thousands of years, much better than yogurt. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I do do yogurt, but I make a plant-based because I'm vegan, and and I recommend that. But um, yeah, but you have so to keep it refrigerated. It has to because they'll yes. die otherwise, right? Yeah, exactly. So what people do is they buy the sauerkraut in a jar from the shelf in the grocery store. Well, that's pasteurized. That means yeah. all the microbes are gone. No, you got to buy it from the refrigerator section and then refrigerator keep it refrigerated. Refrigerator section, exactly. And like so I just made on Sunday, I made four big batches of sauerkraut and two batches of chim kimchi. And you don't have to eat a lot of it every day, but if you can sneak it into your loved one's <clears throat> diet, you know that's going to help their gut microbiome. And by and taking away the sugar, that's going to help even more. Yeah. And then you feed those good microbes with pre prebiotics, which are vegetables, basically. Mm. You know, so you have, you make sure there's lots of vegetables on the plate. You know, like a, it's not going to be possible if a person's been a meat eater all their life. You're not going to be able when they're <laughs> demented to take them off meat. But you can make this much vegetables and this much meat. You know, like really yeah. cut down the amount. Um, yeah. Dairy is highly inflammatory, That's and it say. is also yeah also something that. Um, it's going to be hard to eliminate, but you can substitute vegan cheeses or something, you know, to give the yeah. person that, or or like to do a, a pure cacao milk, like uh, like so you would use like almond milk, which right. which you should make yourself, not from the packages, almond or coconut milk with like cacao and a little bit of maple um, yeah maple syrup, and mix that up for a chocolate milk, so that they get that. Feeling if that's something that they've liked all their lives. So you like maple chocolate. syrup then? Does maple syrup is, well, maple syrup is it, it it has the least disruption to your um, insulin levels, right? So it's mm. it's not going to mess with it quite as much. What kind of sugar is it? Maple. It's maple sugar. <laughs> it's <laughs> I mean, all like fructose. Yeah, it's so like is natural sugar fructose. okay uh, as opposed mm. to? So no. Maple syrup is the only thing I recommend because it doesn't mess as much with your insulin I levels. I do. I prefer <clears throat> not to have sugars, but if you're trying to help someone get off the regular sugars and yeah. be healthier, that's a better option than anything else. Because as it. soon as you get into anything artificial, then the brain and the body just don't know what the heck to do with it. Right? <laughs> Attack! Okay, we're, gonna take another, we're gonna take another break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. One arm, one leg, one hundred words. Overcoming unbelievable hardships is about Charlene. 
a stroke survivor. Back in 1996, Charlene was a healthy, normal, very active 52-year-old woman whose amazing talents resemble that of both a Martha Stewart and a Wonder Woman. But all that changed when she suffered a massive stroke that left her severely speech-impaired and paralyzed on the right side. Who am I? My name is David. I've had the privilege of being Charlene's husband since 1975. We had a wonderful, fairy tale, storybook-like courtship that culminated in our marriage a year later. Charlene had just come out of a marriage where after 10 years, she received two black eyes and a broken nose by her former husband when he came home high on speed. Charlene believed in no second chances of any kind for abuse, so she left. Finding herself all alone in the world with her five and 10 year old daughters, Cynthia Lorraine and Deborah Lynn, she started raising them by herself for the next two years. Then fate brought us all together. After falling in love with Charlene, Cindy and Debbie, our love then produced Rebecca Elizabeth. We had a wonderful, normal life for the next 20 years. But today, things are very different for everyone. How about the reaction of nine-time Grammy and Dove Award recipient, the godfather of contemporary gospel Christian music, Andre Crouch? Charlene just won't let the promises of God go, and she has not let her circumstances get in the way of her faith. She's not just a survivor, she's more than a conqueror, as the Bible states. You'll be encouraged by her testimony, regardless of what you're going through. Available everywhere. And we're back with the Caregiver Dave Show with my wonderful guest, Karen Kunkel. And uh, we're talking about dementia <laughs> um, and diet and all sorts of things. So what would you consider the most important thing a caregiver can do to look after him or herself? Let's talk about self-care now, right? Because right. they have a habit of just giving and giving and giving until there's nothing left to give. And then they break down, they burn out, whatever you want to call it. And now they need to go to the hospital and now they need a caregiver. Those are the lucky ones. Yeah. The other ones just yeah. die. Exactly. Exactly. And now who's going to take care of their loved one? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And so <laughs> I saw it with my sister because she was there, like she lives around the corner from mom and dad. So <clears throat> she was really burning out. And I kept saying to her, you have got to take time for you. I know that it seems like it's impossible, but they're, you know, I know it's difficult with money and everything for some folks to get respite care, to get someone to come in and help, even another family <clears throat> member to take some time for you because that really is important. Sleep, I know, I know you said about two hours. A lot of people get that. Our brains can't function on that. And not only does it cause you physical problems, it causes you brain problems yourself. And how are you going to function? How are you going to help? How are you going to make good decisions? if you don't have enough sleep. So yeah, yeah that's self-care, but also your own diet. So while you're trying to get your loved one to eat well, do the same thing, <laughs> cook the same thing for you, you know? Don't have, have sugar, don't sit down with a tub of ice cream when, they, when your loved one's sleeping. That is not good for you. Do not sit down and watch TV. Do not binge on Netflix if you have four hours. You know, you, exercise is so important. Also, when we were talking about what to do <clears throat> to help our loved ones, get them to move and you move with them because moving, especially if you can get this early enough, again, I'm, I'm again, I'm trying to get in as early as we can. Getting them to move is so important. Firstly, it's good for their mood. It's good for their brain. It's good for their stomach. Helps all the digestive processes. And it helps you if you're exercising the same thing because you need all of those things. And I know how hard it is. I do. I understand. But it's it's <clears throat> do that or die, like you said. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you have a choice. So, you know, there came a time for both my mom and my mother-in-law where it just wasn't working out anymore. Um, my mom was living in her home with her sister um, and her sister was going crazy. She was very intolerant of my mom. They just couldn't get along. And so we moved them into an independent living. They both had their own place. And then, uh, you know, she was progressing. I was getting these phone calls in the middle of the night you know, does AM mean daytime or does AM mean, you know, because I got her a digital because she couldn't read the clock anymore. 
And then I get these other phone calls. Hey, you know, I came out for lunch and it's black outside. It's like three in the morning. And so I just knew that we had to do something. And it's not an easy thing to do. And with my mother-in-law, <clears throat> boy, kicking and screaming. She should have been moved a year earlier. But uh, doctors were not cooperative. They wouldn't cooperate in diagnosing her with dementia because they're afraid of legal challenges, you know, elder care laws and or elder rights laws, I should say. Right. So right. how, uh, and even before that, you know, taking the keys away from the car, yes. <laughs> you mean you're still driving? Oh my God. You know, how do you deal with these battles? Did you have to do uh, any of those things? Yeah. <clears throat> so my dad, we're actually, we, we had to deal with that after his strokes because he, he very rapidly, um, developed a lot of dementia-like symptoms. Now, he's, he's recovered some of his brain function since then, but fortunately in Ontario, Canada, they are pretty proactive about taking driver's licenses away from stroke victims, and he happened to have his stroke when he was driving. Yeah, so it took my wife's we, away too. We, yeah, we didn't have to have that, that battle with him. Now, when I had to rush home in November. Well, some people will drive happened. anyway. I know people who've done I that. I know. I don't need no so stinking know, license to drive. <laughs> you know what my uncle did for my grandfather, which was brilliant. And, and Opa really wasn't demented, but he still wanted to drive, and he really wasn't <laughs> capable of driving. Um, so uh, Uncle Herman just kind of made the car so that it wouldn't work. Like he went <laughs> and tweaked it, and Opa didn't understand enough to fix it, and he was too cheap to get somebody to come in and fix it. So <laughs> it worked out perfectly in that case. But those decisions, like <clears throat> the the way we ended up getting mom into the nursing home, because as I said, she was very combative. She had um, an episode um, uh, with some pain issues because of that brachytherapy. Her hip bones were destroyed, and so she had a lot of severe pain. And so she had to be hospitalized for the pain at one point. And rather than taking her home, that's when we took her to yeah. a nursing home. That's what we did with my mother-in-law. It didn't work the first time because the doctor uh, sent her back home. I says, are you crazy? He says, I can't, you know, diagnose uh, psychological. Uh, uh, I can only dial diagnose physical things. And she was physically able to go home, even though not mentally. So the next time she went in the hospital for something, which was a year later, I made sure that didn't happen again. And we put her right at a nursing home from there. But the first time, you know, the cops said, uh, well, since so many people are breaking into your home, we need to take you uh, and put you somewhere and so that we can put you in a safe place. You know, they use that logic. And she went along with it because she knew she wasn't safe. But the right. uh, doctor didn't cooperate. So you, you really got to be proactive and not just yes. trust the authorities to do mm -mm. what they're supposed to do, the police or the doctors or the hospitals no. and so on. No, very much you have to be the advocate. You have to take charge. Yeah, we learned that because my mom, the first nursing home she went into, Dave, it was awful. <clears throat> it, I came in one time and she had bruises on her arm. She could see the handprint in her arm. <laughs> and and the, the Ministry of Long-Term Care there in Ontario, I might as well have been talking to this wall because they were so useless. And so we became very proactive and got her moved, um, you know, and it's very hard to do because there's a very limited number of places. Yeah. Did you end up picking so, the place yourself? Um, because she was so um, combative, there was a special place in London, Ontario, that, that they, this particular care home <clears throat> specialized in aggressive behavior. So we were able to get her in there and, yeah. and thank God, because they were freaking amazing. It was like night and day difference between the two places. But if we yeah. had not been so aggressively proactive, I don't. I hate to think of her having to die in the other place. It would have been awful. Yeah, I tell people if you're picking a nursing home, you know, nine out of ten of them, I wouldn't put my cat in. But there are good ones out there, and you do have to do your homework. And don't just try to find some place close to you. It's better no. if you find a better place further away. And you can make that 30 minute or one hour drive, you know, maybe less frequency, but she'll be happier. And yes. don't show up uh, when you're interviewing uh, announced, you know, right. show up when you're not announced, because obviously they're going to be on their best behavior. You want to mm -hmm. just drop in and say, hi, you know, I thought I'd check out the place I was driving around. And, and uh, you know, what? don't ask for the tour. Just say, can I just walk around and 
you know, if the wheelchairs are in the hallways facing the wall and they're just, you know, then you know that's not a good place as opposed to having, you know, an active activity program and an activity right. director and they're doing jigsaw puzzles and they're they're playing, yeah. you know, Wii games with the with the internet uh, and stuff like that and watching so, TV. Yeah. <clears throat> and the other thing is to make sure that if you have a demented loved one, make sure that they have programs in that nursing home. Because that first one, they had that nobody was trained, nobody knew how to handle her, nobody understood <laughs> understood dementia. What the heck are they doing even admitting a demented person when they don't even have any kind of training? So that's why she was mistreated because they they didn't know what to do with her. Yeah, the blind leading the blind. Exactly, exactly. It's like that movie with Jack Nicholson. What was that? We were, one flew oh, over the cuckoo's nest. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, um, so looking back, if there's anything you could have done differently that could have helped uh, others listening to this show, or um, uh, first of all, I'm assuming that your mother reacted much better in the nursing home than, uh, oh, yes. than in her home, right? Yeah, yeah, so, in the second nursing home. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So that's what people better. have to remember, that it's it's really for their good. And a lot of people make some stupid promises like, oh, don't worry, I'll never put you in a nursing home, or the person makes them make Promise you'll never yeah. put me in a nursing yeah. home where I'll come back and haunt you. Yeah. And just change that promise to, you know what, I made a promise, I got to back up and, and yeah. say, instead, I promise to put you uh, in some place that uh, will give you the best care possible. Because yes. when they need 24-7 care, you can't do it anymore. Yeah, you can't it. be you awake can't. every night, turning them over so they don't get no. bed sores, stuff like that. No, no, you so, can't. I think, I think what I would, <clears throat> if I had had it to do over again, I would have been much more proactive with food and exercise and mental stimulation with my mom, I would have been um, like early on, like as soon as I knew that there was something that was questionable, I would have done that. But as far as once she became demented, I think the best thing, like you said, was to, to find good care as quickly as you can, because firstly, you're not going to be able to function like, forever doing this mm -hmm. you just can't and it's better for you to leave to have her or him leave on i hate to say I, it's not really good terms but that, that that there isn't that weight of of anger and frustration and pain and everything on top of the dementia you know to to have some respect for each other and 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 that sort of thing so that when there is someone else where when they go somewhere else <clears throat> you're you're going to feel better about it because it's, it's a better choice all the way around you know like it's it's not an emergency choice because that's what happened with mom too it was an emergency these things need to be planned a little bit more in advance yeah. and i know that's hard especially because especially now good lord with covid <laughs> i can't imagine trying to deal with it now but um planning ahead and making those decisions and and like you said don't promise not to send them because mom tried to get us to promise that <laughs> so um some of the best things that worked for me is uh, music and photographs uh videos ah. things like that you know headphones uh their their time frame of music the 30s or 40s yes. or whatever whatever it is and uh, you talked to, before about uh, healing music so say a little bit about that yeah, so one of the really cool um, things that you can do to treat early onset dementia is using sound therapy, vibroacoustic therapy. There's actually research that's showing it it's, can help reverse some of the symptoms of very early stages. So if what you is could vibro, get in, what is it? Vibroacoustic therapy is what where is the client lies down um, on a, a device or sits in a chair with transducers which are like speakers without the cones and and it sends sound frequencies actually through the body mm -hmm. so with parkinson's patients alzheimer's patients you can put them on it and actually we believe we don't understand exactly the function but it seems that there's something to do with changing the vibration of the body and the mind so that it goes back to to the way it should be so like we're supposed to be vibrating Reset. at certain a reset exactly push the reset button and so if you can get that early enough and keep the client or the i'm talking client that's what i deal with but if you can keep the loved one 
in tune, so to speak. You're tuning up the brain, so to speak. And that's how vibroacoustic works. But it also works with other music, like you said, music of their time. But there's another doctor, I don't remember his name now, but he's in California and he has the five senses. So you work with your loved one with music, but you don't just put the headphones on them and go away. You talk to them about their music, remembering the music. Oh, did you sing dance? together? Sing together. Did you dance your first dance with your wife or your husband to that music? Then touch, touch like stuffed animals or like silk. The, to, and you talk about what does that remind you of? Smell, to have them smell like if they were rose gardeners or something and talk about that because then it brings back memories and it brings them back to the present a little bit so they can share. They're sharing then what they remember. The same with cooking. When you prepare food, get your loved one in the kitchen. Make those smells. Talk, talk about the remembering. Like when I made um, German potato salad, which is, <coughs> is a very distinct smell with vinegar and sugar and, and bacon. I don't eat bacon or sugar anymore, <laughs> but I used to make it for my dad. And we would talk about that smell because that was something that was from his childhood, from my Oma's house. So then you talk about that and the same, uh, where do we do touch? Yeah, all the senses anyway. Oh yeah, taste, the taste. Yeah, so you talk yeah. about those things. Get those five senses going and talk about them, share them. Don't just have them happen. As you're talking, you're making me really miss my mom because I, I wish, you know, I could have done more of that, uh, you know, bring her home and, and have her cook some stuff because she's a very good cook and, and uh, you know, uh, when you're in the midst of those final days, you know, it's hard to find positive things. But, yeah. you know, once they're gone, you miss them. Yes. And and you realize that it wasn't so bad after all, that that it was a joy and a privilege to uh, to care for them. Any last yeah. words before we uh, sign off? And then you can share your contact information for someone wants your help on anything. Sure. Just just don't let the memories fade. Be be there and and like share the memories, share the food, share the feel, you know, <laughs> because that's really, really important for you. Like you just said, to have those memories to hold on to, and also to make your time together more value, more embraceive. So Kate, you have a book that's out or is coming out. What is it? I do. I do. Tell us about it's it called... and how we can get it, what it's about and what you hope to gain from it. Ah, well, what I hope is that people will pay attention and start getting <laughs> working on their own brains so it's called don't let the memories fade and it's oh, a holistic uh, it's a holistic approach it's behind behind me there the, the little photograph is my mom yeah. and me when um i was a baby oh. um so it's all about the steps you can take to prevent dementia and it's it's a step by step i mean literally eight weeks to a better brain is the program that's built into it it's got a list of food. I've got all kinds of recipes in there, exercises, meditations. So it's all about looking after you, whether you're a caregiver or whether you're someone who's just concerned about looking after your own brain or you have a parent or a friend who's suffered with it. This is for you to protect your brain because it's never too early, but it can be too late. Wow. Thank you so much. How do we get a hold of you? Um, KateKunkel.com, that's my website. I'm all over the Facebook, Instagram. I'm the prevent, Dementia Prevention Specialist on Instagram. I'm on Twitter, just Kate Kunkel, K-A-T-E-K-U-N-K-E-L.com. And for those who uh, really would like to look after themselves a little better, if you go to the top of my website, there's some information there about just five things you can do right now to save your brain. It's like a little PDF and just grab that and and try to do it try to do it make the time to do it for yourself love it love it thank you so much for coming on especially at the last minute like that we appreciate you and we'll see you again I everybody so. we'll Thanks. see you next time bye bye sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise like the birds will never sing